Welcome to Move Forward Radio, a show featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts. This program is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Learn how physical therapists can help people of all ages and abilities reduce pain and improve and restore motion to achieve long-term quality of life at MoveForwardPT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Jason Bellamy. Affecting an estimated 5 million adults, fibromyalgia isn't a particularly common condition, but its symptoms, which include widespread pain and fatigue, aren't especially unusual either. That's why fibromyalgia can be difficult to diagnose. Fibromyalgia is also a condition without a cure, but there are numerous ways to manage the various symptoms, and exercise is a core component. In this episode of Move Forward Radio, physical therapist Dana Daly discusses the diagnosis, treatment, and management of fibromyalgia. Here's our conversation with Dana Daly. Dana, if I'm watching TV on a nightly basis, I'm probably going to see some sort of commercial related to fibromyalgia, but what is it? I think there's still, uh, amongst a lot of people, maybe a misunderstanding about what it is. Well, and I think on TV you'll oftentimes see those ads for medications for fibromyalgia that talk about nerve pain. Fibromyalgia in general is a chronic widespread pain disorder that has a multitude of symptoms that come with it. Oftentimes people have had pain for at least three months. And, you know, the initial diagnosis that we started with in 1990 talked about pain above and below the waist and on both sides of the body. And we've evolved a little bit from that and looking at some other symptoms. People oftentimes have issues with memory. They have headache. They will, you know, for women, they sometimes have got gynecological pain. So it's a combination of symptoms when we think about fibromyalgia, not just a problem with nerve pain. And then along those lines, too, so, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there at home and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm in pain. Um, I'm in pain various places. What makes it fibromyalgia? Oftentimes, you know, it's the fact that it is widespread and that it's chronic. It tends to be more with fibromyalgia. Oftentimes, we end up having to rule out other diagnoses. Fibromyalgia can mimic other things. It can mimic multiple sclerosis. It can mimic thyroid problems. It can even mimic hormonal problems for some women. Um, But typically, most people are characterized by having pain and fatigue. Those are the two biggest symptoms that they have. In addition to there's oftentimes depression and anxiety will come along with that. Most people talk about muscle stiffness and muscle pain and difficulty doing things. So that's a little bit different than maybe a spot-specific type of pain or if you've had low back pain for a long period of time. That tends to be just in one body area. But we're looking at kind of from head to toe kind of pain. One of the other things that we do is what we call a tender point exam in that there are 18 spots on the body, and typically if 11 out of 18 of those are more sensitive to touch than you would normally expect, that is also a diagnostic criterion that we use for fibromyalgia. So that kind of leads into my next question, which I realize is a loaded question. So pain for me and pain for you may be totally different. What's intense for me and intense for you may not be the same scale. But that said, when we're talking about this chronic widespread pain, are we talking about the kind of pain that keeps you up at night? Are we talking about vague, dull discomfort? What are we talking about? Or does it vary? You know, it varies a lot. I mean, oftentimes with pain, you know, some people can have kind of a low, dull, achy pain and it's kind of the same all the time. I've seen patients who actually have, you know, sharp pain with movement. It really, truly does vary, and sometimes it depends on the body part, you know, how much you use it. Um, So sometimes you can have a little back pain and sometimes, sometimes sharp, sometimes dull. So the pain quality 
varies a lot with people with fibromyalgia. But most often, they at least have some dull kind of achy pain. Now, some people, it can be in the same parts every day. So say maybe it's your knee, your hip, your shoulder every day. And some people, it can vary. Maybe it's your wrist for a few days. Maybe it's your elbow. But it can kind of almost what I call float around the body. So the pain area can change as well. And who does fibromyalgia typically affect? It is actually more common in women, and we typically think of like a 7 to 1 ratio in terms of women. Typically, most commonly white females, but, you know, the challenge is oftentimes we're not really sure in terms of minorities how much they actually are able to get medical care or report medical care or taken as seriously. So sometimes we think about minorities as not having it as much when, in fact, you know, chances are they do but the ability to get medical care may be a little bit different for that population. Men get it as well, but it's definitely much more rare than women. And then is there an age range where these symptoms typically crop up? Oftentimes, you know, in the literature, it's cited that your average person with fibromyalgia is a woman in her 40s. But, you know, I've seen people as young as 11 and as old as 86 be diagnosed with fibromyalgia for the first time. So there is a wide range in terms of total age range but your most common person tends to be in that 30 to 50 range as far as age goes. So we mentioned at the beginning of this those commercials for various drugs. Is fibromyalgia something that I can get it and just, you know, take something and and I'm cured? Uh, how, How is it treated? There are three medications approved by the FDA for treatment of fibromyalgia. There's Civella, Cymbalta, and Lyrica. But typically there are medications that actually help in terms of decreasing some nerve pain. But with all medications, you know, there are a certain number of people that that works for. Usually we think 30 to 40 percent it's effective. But it's a combination of things that usually tend to work because they have to treat the symptoms because we don't know what causes fibromyalgia. So oftentimes they'll use a little antidepressant to help with sleep assistance in addition to different things that might help with nerve-type pain. So... Medication-wise, there's not that much that's effective, like narcotic medications for pain control are not that effective in people with fibromyalgia. The other thing that we tend to treat with is exercise. That's probably been the most well-researched in terms of having good effect in people, and exercise typically aerobic. And that aerobic exercise doesn't matter if it's on land or in water, but as long as they're doing aerobic exercise, that can be the most helpful of all. So let's use that exercise as an example. So uh, let's say I'm that 40-year-old female who uh, gets diagnosed with fibromyalgia, and I see a physical therapist, and I get put on an exercise plan. Um, Will my symptoms potentially go away? Does that mean my fibromyalgia is gone? Am I cured? Uh, Or am I just managing that for the rest of my life? I think for the most part, people are managing the rest of your life. I've seen some literature that says as people get older, it might diminish, but that's not something I've seen in my practice. Oftentimes, it tends to be a chronic problem, and so you'll have periods where you can be managing well, but you may also have exacerbations and flare-ups. Um, those may be short-lived for sometimes, and when I say short-lived, I mean maybe you know six to eight weeks. You may have a flare-up of something. Everyone has kind of a different pain pattern, and so the challenge for each person is figuring out what that pattern is. But no, typically we don't think of it in terms of cure. We do tend to think of primarily in terms of management. So with the pain pattern being so different and potentially the age of the patient being so different, and I assume obviously the condition being so different, as a physical therapist, how do you begin to treat this? I mean, is there a standard treatment? 
Yeah, I wish there were. That would be so awesome because it would make my job easier. But, you know, pain is so individual that each physical therapy plan tends to be very individual. Some people can come in and they're doing a great job with aerobic exercise, but they're still having issues. And so we kind of have to meet each person kind of where they are in terms of what it is they might need in their management plan to help them. Sometimes it's a matter of maybe starting some stretching or some strengthening. And sometimes it's a matter of doing modality-type things for pain control. So it varies based on the person. But, yeah, there is no one standard, you know, and there is no real black and white kind of protocol to say this is what you do with a person with fibromyalgia. And so maybe this is a stupid question, but somebody who they have fibromyalgia, but let's say, for example, that they're they're feeling the most intense pain in their legs, does that mean their exercise program is going to target their legs, or do you just need to get them moving in general? It's a combination of the two. I mean, typically we look at their range of motion strength and look at nervous system and how that's actually functioning. So it may be a question of maybe they need to change their posture or they might need to change some things both at work or at home in order to decrease effort, but also a combination of aerobic exercise as well as stretching and strengthening is usually most helpful. But oftentimes we target the whole body. Since it is a chronic widespread problem and we think of the central nervous system involvement, we really do look at the whole body. Even though they might come in with leg pain, we're going to look at everything just because that's important in terms of how they're actually using their legs. And so if somebody, again, I know there's a risk in in sort of implying there's this one-size-fits-all, but if someone has fibromyalgia, let's say they they have that back pain that you mentioned earlier, how realistic is it? How, How quickly could they start to see results from increasing their exercise? Are we talking months or could they start to see benefits in weeks? Generally, I would expect to see changes in weeks. Usually, if we can find the right combination of things for people, they should feel better, actually, within the first treatment session that we're doing. Oftentimes, you know, the first time I see someone, it's primarily evaluation, so not a lot of treatment. The next time, they should feel better when they're done because that's what I hope that they're feeling at home so that they figure out how to exercise in a way that works for them. You know, because two people walking may not you know, walk at the same speed, or they might have a different level of effort. Because the challenge with fibromyalgia is it can be different. You know, oftentimes patients will say, I felt great yesterday, today it's like slogging through mud, trying to get my legs to go. So each day is a little different, but I do expect each time they exercise, they should feel better. Because it's not a no pain, no gain kind of philosophy. We really like people to do the exercise, feel better, because then that leads to continuing to do it. Because if you're going to have increasing pain when you do it, it's probably not going to work. And then how many of those patients, you know, just a rough estimate, that that come in with pain related to fibromyalgia are you treating for a long period of time? In other words, you know, you talked about they're potentially managing it for the rest of your life. Can most patients, can they, sort once you get them on the right track with an exercise plan, can they just self-maintain that after after physical therapy, or do they typically keep coming back with flare-ups and problems? Typically, they keep coming back. You know, oftentimes people will come in, and we kind of get them going. We do some education regarding fibromyalgia and expectations and figuring out what things work, um, and then they'll come back with flare-ups. Typically with a flare-up, you know, I'll see people anywhere from four to eight weeks just because, you know, we oftentimes have a limitation in terms of what insurance does. So my goal is truly to get them back to self-managing as quickly as they can. 
So typically, do I see people for a long period of time? No, in today's insurance world, not so much. You know, five years ago, yeah, I saw people for a little bit longer time and was able to get them from, you know, not exercising to a really consistent exercise program, you know, over a four-month period. But in today's world, I probably don't see them that long anymore. So if exercise is so key, is exercise, does exercise prevent fibromyalgia? Is fibromyalgia preventable? You know, if we knew what caused it, we could probably know what would prevent it. Typically, you know, I will see people who exercise really well. I'll see people who under-exercise and over-exercise. So exercise as a precursor, I don't know that that has an impact. Oftentimes we tend to think life stressors tend to be a problem, that they've had some type of stressor in some way, whether that be an injury, an emotional stressor. Oftentimes we think that that's more of a precursor as opposed to regular exercise. So if somebody is has has been diagnosed with fibromyalgia and, and they're not feeling they're getting better, maybe they're on one of those drugs, maybe they are doing an exercise program and they're not seeing benefits, you know, what should they do? Or, or if they go see a physical therapist now to try to get better, what are the things they should ask a physical therapist about? What's What's a realistic level of success for that person? Typically, the things that I always encourage them to ask the physical therapist is first, do they have any experience with people with fibromyalgia um, and kind of what their treatment approach is, what they might see that they're not doing that that might be able to be added in. Oftentimes, it's a matter of looking at function and pain and fatigue as well as sleep. Oftentimes, when people come in, they're not sleeping very well because sleep disturbance is common in 70% of people with fibromyalgia. So when we think of sleep disturbance, typically that person will wake up frequently through the night because you'll see changes in their brain wave. So when we think of sleep levels one through four, one is where you're kind of laying there and your eyes are closed, but you're still awake, and level four is when you're in deep sleep dreaming. Oftentimes people with fibromyalgia will get a spike of level one when they're down in level four, so they wake up and they're wide awake. And that can happen several times a night so that you don't get tissue repair, you don't get that normal deep sleep that you would like to see. So oftentimes trying to get that normal body process back is a good place to start. And that means just being able to get to sleep within 15 to 20 minutes because I oftentimes have patients who lay awake for two or three hours. And it just leads to this whole cascade of not wanting to go to sleep, because you know you're going to lay there for a little bit, or you know you're going to wake up, and that's frustrating as well. So sleep is a really important part that they should ask about, how they help manage sleep. But also, you know, beyond exercise and body motion, and looking at things both at work and at home in terms of how are those things working, their postural tolerances, like how long can they sit, stand, walk. We also look at just the ability to manage their emotions regarding their fibromyalgia. Because when you have a chronic condition, you will see different emotional responses in terms of some people will have depression, some people anxiety. Sometimes you'll see anger. You know, people are just really frustrated either with their health care or work at home or work in general. So it's a combination of looking at full lifestyle changes and a more holistic view. But it's important to ask your physical therapist about how they might actually help work in all those different areas, so not just how they exercise and how movement goes. Is this a situation where often, you know, family members or roommates or whomever um, wind up being caregivers for an individual with fibromyalgia or at least part of their support team, and can they do anything to positively help that person? 
Typically, you know, caregivers do a lot of good things in terms of a lot of physical assistance is the thing most people look to. Also, emotional support. I mean, it is a chronic problem, and it gets challenging. And oftentimes, I think, you know, people take out the social activities that they might do in order to preserve energy just because having pain can be so fatiguing. But caregivers can also you know, help lift them up and kind of help with more of those emotional responses. So a combination of things that caregivers can do, because, you know, it's most people typically with fibromyalgia are not people that we think of like ending up in a wheelchair type of thing, but they do require assistance for things like laundry, carrying in groceries, that type of thing. So you, let's close out with this. You mentioned that this can be so um difficult emotionally, so frustrating for a person who has these conditions. You see people who have fibromyalgia. How do you give them hope that they can get better? What do you say? What I tell most people is, you know, hopefully we can decrease your pain, but, you know, I never tell anyone I can guarantee that I'll decrease their pain, but I can guarantee that I can get them having more activity, doing more. Maybe it's with the same level of pain or at least with pain leveling out, so they're not doing highs and lows, and you can't see it, but my hands are going up and down. But typically, most people have a pain level that's maybe low, high, and bearing. And we really want to get that more steady state so they know what to expect with their pain so that they can manage and pace and prioritize their activity to decrease their pain and fatigue. So ideally, we can get you doing more and having a better quality of life, but I can't always guarantee that I'm going to take pain away, but I can decrease pain in general. And so I, I'm curious, what's the reaction to uh, of someone when they hear, hey, I might not be able to make your pain get better? Are they are they frustrated or is there sometimes a, a, a sense of calm and knowing, okay, well, this is something I'm going to have to learn to live with in a, in a different way? You know, it's a wide range of, exp- of emotions that I see people have because I've had, you know, that's when you sometimes have to get out the Kleenex just because that's, you know, it's really hard to hear that this pain is probably not going to go away. Um, And I have other people who say, okay, and let's move on. Let's get moving. Let's do some more. So it's a wide range of emotional responses to that because most people, you know, initially might be looking for a cure. But oftentimes when people get to me, they've gone through a whole diagnostic process, and they've had their pain for quite a bit. So they're looking for ways to feel better. And it's an emotional thing to hear that it might not get better. And then the movement that you're providing them through exercise or whatever should help their pain, but also that should address other things, too, the benefits related to depression and things like that, correct? Correct. It definitely can make a big difference in terms of both pain and fatigue as well as emotions. When you see patients over a period of time and you see them making progress or you see them kind of reaching plateaus, for example, you know, how do you keep them uh, motivated to be committed to this plan long term? Oftentimes, we really focus actually on writing out a plan. So we look at, you know, what are the areas that they're having problems with and what is it they actually have tools in their toolbox to work on. So say, for example, if they're having trouble primarily with fatigue, pain, difficulty sleeping, we look at all the different ways that we've worked on those things and things that they have to do. And we talk about ways that if they have an exacerbation, those things that alternate they might do. So really looking at improving their toolbox. But also, too, pointing out to them where they were when they started therapy, where they're at now, and where they hope to go, you know, and that it's a process. Because even a marathon runner doesn't start out running marathons. So 
so we have to think about what's the progress that you've made and then the road that you're on. And it doesn't mean just because you've maybe plateaued that you're not going to keep going further. So it's all a process and trying to get them to figure out where that process is. Dana Daly, thank you so much. Oh, you are welcome. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guest is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com radio.